Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. My name is Jason Kilby. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm the lead pastor here. And before we even start things off and before we just, you know, I don't want to switch the mood there because it was really powerful. But in your seat, you probably had two little cards, and I just want to make sure you're aware of what's about to happen. Uh, this one, of course, just hold on to that one for a second, but this other one is the one I want you to pay attention to. Uh, it's a night of worship, and nights of worship around here is something we like to do every once in a while. And you're like, don't you worship all the time? Yes, we do. But this one's the, the one that we sort of just gear a lot of focus on, and we make it very intimate, very intentional. Uh, and we have a friend, uh, a friend named Scott England. He's been here before, uh, and he's from Atlanta. He's one of my good friends out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and he'll be traveling through, and so he's going to lead us in a night of worship this Wednesday night. And so if there's ever a Wednesday that you're just, you know, curious what we do up here on Wednesdays, this would be a really good night to come and just be a participant because it's amazing. It really is. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Uh, uh, Scott has already got it all ready to roll. Uh, he'll be going to Illinois and tr- come, coming back this way. And so I'm pumped about Wednesday night. So uh, take that card as a reminder, but as well as invite a friend on the back side. It just says you're invited. So uh, take that card and invite somebody along with you so you don't come alone. You feel like, I don't know if I want to go by myself. Why don't you come with me? I guarantee it. Uh, you're going to experience God in a great way. So that other card, Story Maker, hold on to that card. We're going to get to that card here in a minute. But, man, it's been a great week. Last week was Easter. I mean, there's a lot of great stories going around. Uh, but one of the couple stories that just continue to come back to me is some people who are accepting Christ, people who are literally pouring out their hearts to Jesus. And, and uh, I was on the phone a lot this week. And uh, one of the things that came back to me uh, was working with, with some people and, and literally, uh, you know, I, I could, I'll have to tell you the edited version because it just wouldn't be appropriate to share. But it was one of those moments you're on the phone and he just catches you off guard, you know. He's just like, man, I just, he's shaking and he's crying. And the next thing you know, he goes, man, I just, I just love Jesus. And I didn't know how he said it though, but he said, I love Jesus. I mean, I was sitting there weeping with him on the phone, and I was just excited for him. But how many people in this room this morning love Jesus? And that's where we're at. I mean, I've heard stories all week long about people experiencing Christ. And last week, we saw about six people give their lives to Christ. Now, I know everybody stood up. And maybe that was my fault on communicating. I'm not the best communicator some days. I'm just excited, especially when I drink an energy drink. It just happens. Or you eat some of that candy out there on those tables. But the truth is, there's some people who accepted Christ and want to take that next step to be baptized. And it's, it's an awesome moment when you see Christ come alive in somebody's life. It's an awesome moment to see them turn the page or turn the chapter or even get into a new book called Christ. And so for that, I'm grateful. And for that, I'm blessed to be a part of something called Center Point, but as well as just to see life transformation in Jesus. So today, if you're new with us, we're diving into this new concept, this new series as we, we turn the page in Easter and we're, we're rolling into this idea called Story Maker. And, and, and don't we all love just a good story? I mean, if the truth be told, we'd love a good story, right? I mean, we, we, we love oral traditions. Maybe something's been passed on down to you. Uh, maybe we, we live in the story. Maybe we, we, we are the story sometimes. We, we like to be the story uh, or sometimes we even witness a good story, you know? You, you see something take place, and you're just a part of it, and you get to be an eyewitness of the story. 
And so I started looking at stories in general, and I'm not the biggest book reader, you know, I'll just be honest. I do read a lot, but at the same time, I'm not the biggest uh, outside. I love, I love Christian books, and I know that's, that's narrow-minded sometimes because you've got to have a full perspective. But I went in and just Googled, you know, the top most 100 best books of the century, and, and, and these books came up, these amazing stories came up, and, and ranking in at number 72, and so the people do sit around and do these type of lists. I don't know how they do them. I just, I really don't. Uh, it, it boggles me. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they listed 100 books, and I'm just sitting there going, this is crazy. I didn't know there's that many books out there that people really want to read. But I guess there's people out there that do do this. But number 72 uh, I, I saw this book, and I was like, wow, I've read that book. I, I'm smart, you know? And so I'm sitting there like, ah, this is a good book. And so it's called The Shack. The Shack is an amazing book. It's written by Paul Young. If you want to go pick up a book about, uh, you know, it's, it's got that out story. You know, it's got some suspense there. It's got a little bit of everything in it. It's, it's a cool book, and God is revealed. It's a great book. Uh, the, the book called The Shack. It's, it's a good book. Number 31, and we're going to jump forward real quickly, 72 to 31. I know I jumped a lot of books, and... Probably some of them shouldn't even be on that page. But the truth of the matter is, you know, they, they, so they wrote it. They took the time, the energy to write it out. But there's, there's, there's this book. I've actually, honestly, I read this book too. I did it in seminary. So I was like, ah, this is cool. I'm two for two. Or maybe two for 100. But it was one of those moments, you know, I was sitting there going, I know this book. And maybe you know it too. I also watched the movie, The Lightning Thief, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, you know, by Rick uh, Rorden. Great book. I, I like the book. Maybe some of you students have read that book. I don't know. Uh, you, you just jump forward a little bit faster. Number 13. I've never read this book. I've, I've seen a lot about it. Maybe some of you might know this, uh, but it, was re- it had a lot of good stars on it. So I was like, you know, that's a good book. Number 13. Uh, Water for Elephants by Sarah Gurin. Anybody heard that book? I mean, it's a good book, right? So I don't know if you've picked up on some of these books, but I jumped forward just to number two and number one, and, and so I, I really got to number two, and I was like, you know, this, this is not so much as a book, it is a movement. I mean, these people, you know, these people that do this, you know, the Hunger Games, right? All right, the Hunger Games by Susan Collins. I mean, they just, it was just all over the thing, number two. Then I was like, number one, you know, what, what is number one? These books, people who love these books, I'm sitting there just like captivated by it. Now I'm just like, okay, what is it? I'm thinking, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. Oh, come on, Lord of the Rings. I'm changing a little. And all of a sudden it gets to Lord of the Rings. I was like, what ever? Are you kidding me? But I started thinking about it. No, it's probably, that's probably pretty accurate because there's a lot of kids out there. Harry Potter, man. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rollins, man. She has written some great books and I must say, I've watched the movies. I haven't read any of the books, but hey, there's some good movies. And so I know you need to read the book. Don't yell at me. I'll, but I, hey, if there's a movie out there, I'm going to watch the movie too. So, um, you know, our culture, man, it's entrapped by good stories, right? You know, and for those of you that don't read books, come on, admit, admit it. If you don't read books, come on. I, I feel you. I know you. But you are attracted to certain things. You're attracted to certain things like TV shows, right? I mean, you get drawn into TV shows, and the next thing you know, you just can't miss it. You're DVRing it. If you're old school, you're recording it on those little VHA steps. You know, it's just who you are. Um, I don't know if you can buy those anymore. So, but it, you're, you're out there doing that. You, there, there's some TV shows out there, and I just listed a couple of them real quickly. And I thought to myself, you know, I know some of these, but some of them I've never even heard of. Game of Thrones, maybe, you know, Agent Shield and the Marvel Comics, I'm, in, I'm good with that. There's a show called Grey's Anatomy. I'm just curious, when is it going to end? You know, it's just, it has been going on for like a decade, dude. I mean, I remember that back in college. I mean, Grey, she is, like, she must be Grey. I don't know. So, 
the Big Bang Theory, Big Bang Theory, Bajinga, I got you, Josh. And so, you know, Blacklist, Criminal Minds, uh, Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, and then there's this one on here, you know, I know it's, but it's on here, and I'm sitting there going, are you serious? How can you make a movie about Lost? I mean, you you're going to get found, maybe, but it, it's just an ongoing show about how lost they are. And, and then there was a show that, like, my, my wife picked up, and I'm sitting there going, I'm over here, and, you know, and she's like, she's so into this, and I'm not, I'm not bashing her, because, you know, she, she does a lot of great things. Uh, but she really got into this show, and, and it's called Parenthood, and she loves it, and maybe you like it too, but I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I don't get it. So, you know, uh, you just you enjoy your moments, and, and she's like got her you know iPad. She's watching on her computer. She's watching however she can do it on Netflix. And then there's this other show called Downtown Abbey. It's ranked up there. I haven't really watched it, but I found out that Downtown Abbey, for some odd reason, is ranked number one in Canada. For some odd reason, don't know. I just thought that was weird. And number two, let me just throw this out there. You know, we have shows. They have shows. Everybody's got shows. But I found it amazing in Canada. Uh, just for the irony here. For those who are a little bit older in age, the facts of life is ranked number two, okay? The facts of life. I'm not joking you. Different strokes. Different strokes is ranked number three. Come on. Are you serious? Bring those shows back. Yeah, that's right, you know. I know those shows. Fat Albert, you know. And so we're sitting there. I know those shows, but these those shows, I'm just like, Homeland never got into it. Parks and Rec have not got into it. But I will say this. This one's ranked on there, and so I'm with this one. This was my college days. And I'm into it. It's, it's, it's one of my personal favorites, even though you can only see it on reruns right now. It's not I Love Lucy. I'm not that old. But friends, hello. Yes, sir, man. I love me some Joey and Smelly Cat. All right? So it's just one of those things. So the list goes on. It goes on and goes on. And we, we get just sucked into these stories, don't we? I mean, we get so sucked in. We're living out Smelly Cat. We're sitting there singing Smelly Cat. Why are we singing Smelly Cat? Because we get sucked in. We want to know what Phoebe's doing. We want to know how Joey's Joey, you know, that's how we are. If you know the storyline, you know who Joey is. He gets, dog, you know, he's just so distracted by anything. And we start to play those things out. Because we all love, what? A good story. And then there's one of those amazing storylines that get played out in front of us. And we get to be a witness of it. And when that, we get to become that witness of it, you know, it, it's just sort of life-changing. And for, for us, you know, for, for the most recent thing for us here in Kentucky, Especially those who are basketball fans, um, there's a storyline of a 40 and 0, and uh, and whether or not you like uh, UK basketball or not, uh, the evidence is real. The evidence is is really real. The ratings across the nation were continually high and just game changing, and it was crazy. Uh, people wanted to see one of two things. They wanted to see the storyline come true. They wanted to see UK bring home the national championship and hang banner number nine. Louisville fans, you could probably care less. Truth of the matter is, that was one of, one of the options. Or number two, they wanted to see him get beat because their team wasn't in it. They wanted to see him fail. They wanted to see him stumble and fall. And regardless of which one you wanted, as humans, we're attracted to a storyline. We're drawn into it because they are a part of, of life. And then the plot thickens. And then the plot thickens. We get involved, don't we? We get, we get involved emotionally. I know some of you couldn't sleep last week. Some of you just, you get antsy. And some of you came and watched the news for a couple weeks, especially when that last second kicked off the clock. The plot thickens. We can't wait until the new book comes out 
and what happens on the next show? Or why in the world, for us who are UK basketball fans, does Duke get the easy road to the championship? The plot thickens, right? How is it that Wisconsin can hit every single silly shot that ever was known to man but can't hit the broadside of a barn against Duke? How is it that we go, we, we have aspirations of 40-0 and 0 this year, last year, but then this year we, 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 we do it and then we get to 38-1? and 1. How is it that we're all drawn into that, whether or not we're even basketball fans? The plot thickens. The plot continues to thicken if you're a UK fan. I'm, I'm, I'm not just, well, I don't even preach on UK, but this is a relevant story. You do all this and you're just like you're on an emotional high, but then this week all of a sudden we lose seven. And left wondering, now what? We think we know. We think we know. We unload to reload. If I could use some of his terminology, Coach Cal is a very good person. We, we unload to reload so we can succeed and proceed, right? That's some of his words. See, the plot continues to thicken each year if you're a basketball fan. Whether you're a U of L fan, uh, an Eastern fan, Western fan, UK or Michigan, Florida, it doesn't really matter. You're drawn into sports. You're drawn into books. You're drawn into TV shows. Even if you hate sports, you can probably be drawn into that, that storyline of that wrestler or, or maybe that Olympic skater who, who falls on the ice but gets up and skates the, 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 the most amazing routine ever. She wins the gold. The best moment, the best story of her life. You see, we all get drawn into the plot. We get drawn into this and then the plot thickens. And last week we experienced that. When Jesus was killed and they watched the Messiah die, the movement died with him. You remember that? The movement died because Messiahs don't die. Jesuses don't die. Kings don't die. They say they're a Messiah. But the plot thickened, didn't it? The plot thickened when Mary came running to Peter and John who then took off to see the unbelievable. And in that moment, the plot thickened when the Bible in chapter, verse, or chapter 20, verse 8, when John first looked into the tomb and it said, he saw and he believed in Jesus. He saw the empty linen, the empty face linen, and he believed. The plot thickened. The plot thickened because now he lives and he has to do something with this because this was the truth. And so he went out explaining to people he had been a witness. It was part of his story now. It was, it was who he was. It was his DNA. It became a part of him. You see, we're drawn into these amazing stories in life when there's, when there's hope, when there's love, and maybe even for some of us, when there's darkness or betrayal. And you'll see that then they come a, to a place like this. You'll come to a place like this or maybe a church, a gathering of some sort with Christians all around and, or maybe a pastor standing on the street corner or up here and with a microphone and they'll say something silly like this. They'll say something, you know, and, and, I, and I've actually caught myself saying this before and so you know, this is sort of just bad on us, but the truth is we've all said it. And maybe you've said it too. You don't have to be a pastor. You have a story to what? Share. You have a story to share, and you need to share it. 
We've all done it. We've put the pressure on you. We've done it in a way that actually causes sometimes pain. And you ask, you're sitting there, you're receiving it, you're hearing it, you got your eyes focused and you got your, you know, your, your ears on. As my mom used to say, shut your mouth, turn your ears up. You know, I was like, well, no wonder my ears are so big. I always turn them up, mom. You know, and so I'm sitting there just listening. I'm listening, but for some of you are sitting there and you're just like, what does that even mean? Share my story. You don't want to know my story. What does that mean? Do I need to go write a book? Do I go to make a movie? Do I get to go sign some kind of thing and make a TV show? What does it mean to share your story? You know, back in grade school, back in my second grade, I had to write a little story. Is that what you're asking me to do? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's possible. Maybe for some of us, we need to take this little card and, and start to write out a story because we've never done it before. And maybe you need to take like six or seven of them because your story's a little bit longer. But maybe, just maybe, you can write it down on one thing and keep it short and sweet so you can tuck it. And when that opportunity comes, you can share your story. You see, this is what I have believed and, and come to find out. That, that there's some reasons why we, we don't share our story. And there's three things I think we, there's reasons why we don't share our story. And number one, if you're taking notes, this is one of the things I believe why we don't share our story. And it's, is we don't think we have a good enough story to share. We, we don't think we have a good enough story to share. It's, 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 it's boring and I don't have a real testimony. It's boring and it's don't, we don't have a real testimony. I think for me and myself and my story, I, I grew up in church and, and I grew up in a, in a, in a goody-two-shoe boy. I never did anything stupid. I mean, the, probably the stupidest thing that I ever did was literally when I was kids, egg a house, I'm just being honest, multiple times, multiple locations. I remember some things that I got into and toilet papered some cars. Those were fun days. Bubble wrap, saran wrap is even better. But I remember doing that. I remember doing some things. And maybe your story, you know, you just ain't got that story. And you're like, you know, no one really cares about my story. It's, it's too boring. It's just boring. You just don't want to share. And then you get to that next one is my story is useless. My story is useless and, you know, I just... I don't, want to, I don't want to share my story. My story is useless and who cares? No one really cares about me. No one really cares about this story. It's, it's useless. It's a useless story. I, you know, that happened to me and I remember that moment and I just don't really, you know, no one wants to hear about that. It's useless. It's a useless little simple fact. No one really cares about that story. And then number three, I believe, this one, this one's the one that sort of hits home for a lot of people. My story is too dirty. My story is just too dirty. If you really knew my story, my hidden secret, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want me to share mine. My story is so dirty, it's, 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 it's bad. You don't know what happened, man. I, I got, I've been put in jail. I've been put in jail. I've been cheating on my wife. Or even worse, I've, I've done some pretty bad things with drugs, alcohol, and literally, it's, it's bad, Jason. You don't, want to, you don't want me to share my story. 
And if I've hit on any three of those things of sharing your story, then we have something to start writing on our card. We have something to work with today. But if you're still not with us, if you're still not with us, and, and, and you have my permission, honestly, at this point, just to skip the next chapter or to get the cliff note version today. And the cliff note version is Jesus loves you. But if I'm hitting on cylinders right now, if I'm, if I'm hitting in your chapter, in your book, you have a real story. And if you've never shared it, let me explain it this way, then you're not really helping the kingdom of God out. You're actually hurting us. Jesus told us to go and tell. It's about the Jesus in you. And if we can do that, because it's what we celebrated last week, if we can go do that, just like the guys on the walk to Emmaus, just like the guys who were witnesses and they bore witness and they, and they ran and told the story, Christ, it gives him strength. You see, the plot thickens, doesn't it? When I start to ask those questions and I say, tell me your story. You see, that's the one thing I really appreciate about Center Point because I've, that's what it's all about. You got hundreds of people here that's literally coming from all walks of life and the only thing I really care about is the Jesus story in you. That's it, I hate to say that that way. I love on you, I wanna hang out with you, I wanna go, you know, go to Least Famous Recipe and eat some chicken with you. Or maybe Cracker Barrel chicken's much better, but whatever we want to do, I'm cool. Drive through or sit down, you're cool. Uh, but it, I just want to hear your story. I want to see where God's moving. I want to, I want to be a part of that. I want, I want to celebrate that. I want, to, I want to do everything I can to see how you can go share the gospel. If you have a dream, I want to help you, vision, or to help you accomplish it. If you have a vision, I want to see it come true. But here's something I want you to start to begin to think about as we dive into this for the next couple of weeks. And, and it's just a simple little catchphrase. And, and that catchphrase is this. And some of you have come in here pre, a pre-notion and just saying, you know, I know my story. I've got everything. And, and, but this is what I want you to think because the plot thickens. The plot is getting ready to thicken really deeply. And here it comes. This is this one line. If you're writing things, this is where you need to write. It's actually on top of your card right now on the back of it. And it says, what I think is my story. What I think is my story is only part of my story. What I think is my story is only part of my story. You're like, what does that mean? But the plot thickens when Jesus gets involved. When Jesus becomes the center of who you are, the plot thickens. When you think, I, I'm useless, I never, I never have a good enough, or I'm boring, and that's, that's, no, 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 no. That's only part of your story. That's only part of your story because when God gets a hold of it, he changes it. And maybe you're thinking, my marriage is over. My financial situation has collapsed and and I just don't have, there's no hope here. I have nothing left. No, 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 it's not over. It's just now getting to the main storyline. I think my life is full of little dirty secrets. You don't want me to tell my story. No, that's only a part of your story. That's only part of your story. And so today, if you brought your, your word we're going to turn to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to camp out here. And here's, here's sort of the backdrop. And, but if you need a Bible, it's going to be behind you. And if you need a Bible, there's some in the back. And if you, if you don't have one, we just want you to take one. There's, those Bibles are free for you to take. I want you to be dove into your word. If, if, you, if you have one of those little gadgets, or gadgets there on your phone, it's called the version or any Bible app, I, I would encourage you to get it out and start highlighting some stuff here because it's going to be pretty, pretty raw pretty real. I mean, this is almost like the PG-13 version of it, so I'm just letting you know. Uh, it, it is, it, it's giving you a heads up. Uh, it is what it is. 
uh, but it's the truth. But let me give you a little bit of background check here. Uh, Mark 5, you see Jesus doing some pretty good things. He's in his prom of his teaching. He's running around telling people, healing on people, loving on people, and people are starting to follow him in droves. I mean, thousands of people, they're following him. They're, they're going where he's going. They're walking in his footsteps, and he's doing some great things, and thousands and thousands of people are, are just surrounding him. He's trying to get away from him, honestly. He's trying to get away from him because he needs to take a little break, and so he gets on a boat. He goes across the, the lake, and, and literally he's thinking, and he finally has some peace and quiet, but all of a sudden he gets to the other side of the lake and there's thousands of more people that are there waiting for him. They're waiting for him. So Jesus gets out of the boat and then immediately this, this guy named Josaurus comes running up and says, he's a rich ruler, he's a rich, he's a rich uh, uh, religious guy there and he's just like, you know, you gotta come heal my daughter. You gotta come heal her. She's sick, she's really, really sick. And Jesus says, you know, no, I got, I got, my, I got, a, I got some fans here and he signed some autographs. No, he takes off running. He's like, I'm coming. I'm coming. We're going, we're going to your house. We're going to do this. We're going to heal her. And all of a sudden, there's something remarkable that takes place there. Something really, really remarkable takes place. And so if you got your word, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. It says, uh, a large crowd in verse 25 and 24. It says, so Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. In verse 25, it says this, and a woman... A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And maybe you've heard this story. Growing up in church, maybe you've heard this story and you know exactly where we're heading. But hey, listen, I want you to check that motive this morning. Yes, the story's about faith. And yes, the story's about a woman who, who has been bleeding for years. And, you know, it's like I said, a little PG-13 here. But at the same time, it happens, right, women? Somebody's saying, hmm Mm-hmm. But this is ongoing. Can you imagine that? I, I would not want to be around her. This is ongoing. This is a situation that takes place year after year after year after year, and it's, it's ongoing. It says a woman, a woman who had been there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Sometimes I think a week is too much. Just saying. So you can almost imagine the emotional strain on this woman. You can almost imagine the pain and the suffering in this woman. And it says right there, it says in verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of doctors and spent all of she had. You can almost go down this road and understand her suffering. You can go down the road of the pain that she's in. You can go down this, this understanding and understand. And, you know, there's, there's a word here in verse, in verse 26. It said she had suffered and so I began to think about this, this word suffered. Because this word suffered is, is you know, we, we immediately think, and for the women, you, you, you can go down that road a little bit better than I can today. And you're like, you know, I know what this feels like. I, I, can, I, I can sympathize, but 12 years? Now, then we think physical pain. We think about the immediate stuff. We think about right there in front of us. But I want to take you on a journey this morning in the story and go this way with it. You see, I think this suffering... The suffering was so much more. You see, because she, in the Mosaic law, in the law in the Old Testament, if somebody was bleeding or somebody was unclean or somebody that was dirty, somebody that was not pure, was, was not considered worthy, was not considered worth of sitting around other people that were clean. So it's almost if you can go back to grade school, you are always getting picked on. Some of you can identify with that story. It's that moment when you just, you want to be a part of the good group, 
But they look at you and they see that you're different or something's wrong, and so you're forced to go over here because they didn't want you to be a part of it. You see, the Mosaic Law, it says you, you can't be here. The Bible, guys, the Bible said you couldn't be here. You can't be here because you're dirty. You're unclean. You'll make everybody else dirty. The woman was suffering, not just physically, not just emotionally drained, but she was suffering spiritually. She was hurting from the inside because she was casted aside. The plot thickened. The plot thickened. It continues to thicken today. If you, if you can go back in grade school, like I said earlier, if you remember that, you remember that little phrase that we used to say, oh, they got cooties. You remember that? You remember that? Come on. If you, if you do, come on. You're with me, right? You, you never did. You shot away from them, right? You, you pushed them to the side. Oh, they got cooties. And we even did, I, you know, dot, dot, and you got the cootie shot. You know, remember that? I remember that. I'm, I'm old, but I still remember that. Man, I need some forgiveness. Maybe this, maybe back in the 1990s, and some of you are like, I, don't, I wasn't even born in the 90s. But those who were around, you remember when this, this scare came out and it was real. We didn't, we wasn't smart enough back then, but this was a real scare. It was the HIV scare. Remember that? If you had HIV, you were shunned away. You were casted aside. And just recently, for those who, you know, let's just fast forward a little bit. Maybe you can recognize what this, and so I'm trying to draw you into the story so you can understand where she's at. Maybe this, this whole thing called Ebola, it's, it's part of our story now because it's, it's in our culture, it's in our time, it was all over the news, and, and there were some people that were diagnosed with this, this Ebola, and they didn't even have it, and they were shunned. I remember there was a story that was on the news and this woman was on a boat and she was, she was just in the plane and, and you know, somebody else had it and they found out that she was, she was a part of that plane and, and they were like, you can't, you, you gotta be quarantined in the bottom of the boat in this back section and you're not allowed to come out. We're gonna throw the food underneath you, underneath the door. And they're just, they're, the boat was just trying to get her off and, and no island would take her. And so for seven days, this boat just sailed around and she's stuck in a hole in the bottom of the boat. It was a real story, and it come to find out she didn't even have it. Doesn't matter. Once you get accused of something, that's what you feel like. You suffer. You see, this woman in the story, she had been isolated for 12 years because she hears, don't come near us. Don't come near us. And I just need to push pause here, and I want to press play on something that's really passionate about me because I love Jesus. This is why I believe the church is suffering today. I don't know if you heard that right, but let me rephrase it. This is why I believe the church is suffering today because for years now, those who have had dirty stories have been told not to come around here in some way or form or fashion because of some silly rule, some silliness that we have made up by an action, and we try to make it truth. We're not leaning on Jesus, we're leaning on our opinion, and that is why the church is suffering because we have told them, don't bring that dirtiness, don't bring that mess. Hey, I know you got a broken family, and we, you know, we don't, we just wanna, we wanna love the sin, you know, we don't love the sinner, and yeah, yeah, we, I don't even know what that means, but you know, you just stay on that side. I don't wanna mess up my family. 
church is hurting, guys. It's because we're not willing to listen to people's story and invest into the story. For the church, the truth is we might not want to admit this, but the truth is the truth. Just stay away. Stay away with that story. We don't want to be a part of it. With that dirty little mess because it'll mess things up here in our, in our loft. You can't, you can't lead here because of that issue right there. Yeah, you're kind of dirty. Don't let those children play with my children because, you know, their, their dad is a drug dealer. We can't, be, we can't go into that area because there's crack pipes everywhere in town. Or there's prostitution going. We, we can't expose our kids to that. It's, it's unclean. It's, it's, it's not a safe zone. They're bleeding. It's dirty. It's far from God. See, now we're getting into some serious stories, aren't we? You see, we can all relate to verse 26 here. We don't find something that, that is broken. We, we end up making it worse, don't we? We, 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 we try to, we get something that's so broken and it's so, so hurtful, we, we end up making it worse because we're trying to solve a solution. And in verse 26, this is exactly what it says. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet insisting instead of getting better, she grew worse. You ever get to that moment in life where you get to that, that page and you just, you want to fix it, and so you fix it now, right? You ever get that moment? I like to you know, DIY, you know, do it yourself, and you go and Google and you try to type in those things, and so maybe you try to fix it yourself, and, and so uh, I Google a lot of things, so I try to, you know, figure out how to fix an iPad where my wife cracks the screen for the second time. And so uh, your cell phones, maybe you've been there, or uh, maybe some guys, you know, hey, I can change the oil, or I know how to fix this or fix that. And, um, or maybe that's a deck project, or maybe the, uh, the window's leaking and the honeydew list. Uh, or maybe, maybe even this one, some guys always think they can cut hair, but I'm telling you right now, you, when that, that this is, and you look over it and your hair is like this on your son, it, it's, you know, it's just not right, you know. Or maybe for women, maybe I don't want to, I can get in real serious trouble right now. But, you, you know, you try to dye your own hair and you, someone's like, what do you think? And you're like, yeah, looks great. And so you, you, you're, you're lying in church. And so it's one of those things where, you know, or I've seen this one here recently too. You know, hey, look at my tattoo. And you're like, who did that? I did. And you're like, oh, looks great. And you're sitting there, you know, yeah. And so there's this girl that I met online. That sounded weird, but you know, it, it's just you know you see her on YouTube, and it, well, just check her out. Her name is Glozell.
momentum we just had in, in the gospel we just tanked it right there right but here's the truth the harder she tried to fix it it got worse didn't it she tried to fix it and it just got worse that's exactly what happened here in the story so I want to draw you in really deep on a different level she tried to fix it she tried to fix it on her own. She spent everything that she had. She was broken, completely broken. She did everything she could in her own power to fix it. She was bankrupt. She had nothing left. She got to a place in her life where there was so much pain, there was only one option left. Her name was Jesus. And I love how it says it here. I love how it says it right here in verse, you know, just keep on going. In verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and he touched his cloak. There's a word here. She heard. She heard about Jesus. She didn't witness Jesus do something. She didn't see him do something. She heard of what he was up to. She heard that he was doing some crazy things, bringing life in horrible situations. She was willing to go do something. And now, not only was she willing to go do something, she was willing to break the law. You can see, Mosaic law says she wasn't allowed to be around. Mosaic law said she was dirty, she was unclean, and she was not supposed to be there, especially in a crowd, because she could make other people sick. So she was supposed to be away, but she took a risk. She was hiding. She was in the crowd. She made herself just one of those people. She bent down, and she got cowardly because she was scared to death of what was getting ready to happen, and she reached out in faith, and she grabbed Jesus because she heard. She heard of what Jesus could do. You see, when there's enough pain, you'll do anything. You'll do anything, especially reach out to Jesus. And so because she thought, in verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. In verse 29, it says, immediately, immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt, she felt in her body that she was freed from her what? She was freed from her suffering immediately at once, in verse 30, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. And I love this. This is probably the most powerful couple sentences here, a couple words in the scriptures. It says, he turned, what is it, around. 
Here you can almost imagine she's hiding and she's ducking down and it says she grabbed the bottom of his clothes and she's just touching. She's like, I got this. This is all I got left. I, I know he's, oh. And Jesus is like, whoa, someone just touched me. And you can almost picture this. It keeps on going. It says this. It says this in verse 31. And it says, you know, and he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? And so Jesus is like, hey, who is touching me? And the disciples are like, you know, PR move, you know, just like, hey, listen, hey, Jesus, um, there's thousands of people around and they're bumping into you. I know you've had a long, busy day, but you don't have to be rude. I mean, you don't have to be like pinpointing somebody. And this, but this is how you can, this, this is not like, so who touched me? No, he's like, who touched me? Someone just touched me. And you can almost imagine at this point, she's bunkering down like, oh, I better get out of here. Why? Because she just broke the law. She's afraid for her life. She, you can almost imagine this girl's trucking it to the other side of the city, man. She is scared to death because she's getting ready to be prosecuted. You know, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. Who touched me? Someone touched me. Verse 32 says, but Jesus kept looking. He kept looking around to see who had done it. And verse 33 says, then the woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear and told him the whole truth. She told him of her story. She told him of the 12 years of suffering. She told him of the emotion, the, the physical, but then she told her, told her the spiritual pain. No one loves me. No one cares. They just tell me to go. No one wants to hear me. No one wants to be a part of my life. And you were my last option, Jesus. You were, you were it because I heard about what you do. And so I reached out in faith and I reached out and said, I hope, I believe. Verse 34, it says, he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from suffering. Be freed from from your suffering. You know, there's some amazing pieces right here. She, she heard. Jesus turned around. Jesus turned around physically looking for her because he knew. He knew something was different. He knew that there was, there was somebody that was reaching out, wanting to be healed. You see, I, I, I think this. When people hear of center point or they hear, and this is what I'm passionate about, I hope they don't, they don't hear about the, the worship experience, not, nothing, guys. I, I love the worship. The worship's good. Or uh, for Kidsville, there's, you know, we do a great job there. I hope they don't hear about that. I, I don't, hope they don't hear about the first impressions. Man, we're a very friendly church. They're doing really good. They meet people out in the street up to the seats, and they're just doing awesome. They're just doing, and they got a preacher that doesn't know when to shut up sometimes, so sometimes the sermons can be a little long. You know, it's just, you know, but it's good. It feels good. It looks good. It's a great environment. I hope they don't talk about that. Because if they do, we failed. I hope and pray when people hear about the story about Jesus, they hear about your life-changing stories through Christ who has changed you because you reached out in faith just like she did and you were healed from your suffering. And when you reach out like that, it is only one person you can give their credit to and that's the story. I hope when people say, man, where do you go? What movement are you a part of? What are you doing? I follow Christ. 
I follow Christ because he's changed my life. That's her story. That is her story. So my question here today for you, as we wind things up here, is what did you come in here today thinking your story was? What do you think your story is? You see, some of you have battled depression, maybe even cancer, maybe even divorce. Maybe you have been sexually abused. Maybe you've committed a crime. Maybe you're using right now. You're so far in financial debt. Your marriage is on its rocks right now. Kids won't listen to you. Maybe you just don't feel loved. Whatever you think your story is, the plot just thickened because Jesus is here. You see, whatever you think it is, it's not really what it is because God wants to use that story and turn it towards him because he has turned around today looking for you, looking for his daughters. He didn't call her by name. He called her daughter, my son. I love you and thank you for sharing. Now go and tell. Go and tell your story in Jesus. Tell people about what you did because I believe in the story of God in you. Can you imagine, just for a second, because we got to continue the story, right? Imagine what her story she went on to tell to people. People that knew her best, the unclean girl that no one wanted, you know, cooties, and remember that? Yeah, so that's her, right? So she's walking around now. She's all clean. She looks totally different. She didn't even look like the normal person because when you're bleeding, you know, you're weak. Now she looks full. She looks healthy. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. They're like, who are you? What happened? Her family, her friends, the close, those who witnessed her dirty ugliness for years now sees perfect, amazing, beautiful woman who is clean. You know they had to ask this question because any good story, you're going to ask the question, right? How? How'd you do that? Where'd you do that? I want to do that. I want to get clean. I want to get pure. I want to do this. I'll pay anything I can do. I'll, I'll do everything. I, I'll, give, I'll give all the money I can to church. If that's what it takes, that's what I'll do. I'll do anything I can. I'll serve all I can serve. I'll do everything. I'll be the best door greeter there was. I'll serve in Kidsville. I'll do this. Or I'll go out and I'll, I'll help walk the little old lady across the street. If this is what it takes, I want to be healed. She simply says, I reached out to Jesus. The church church couldn't heal me. My best friend, he told me all this do-it-yourself crap on the internet and it didn't work. It was, it was when I got to a place in my life there was so much pain, I just reached down and I said, Jesus, you're all I got. And the story that I got to tell you this week is a guy who's in so much pain. Marriage is falling apart and he just reaches out. And says, I got nothing. He says, Jesus, if you're real, will you reveal yourself to me? And he accepted Christ over the phone. And I saw it. I wasn't even there, but I saw it. And I was so excited for him. 
because he got to that place where there was nothing left. There was nothing I could do except just share in his joy. And I watched him be broken. I watched him humbly accept Jesus over the phone. It was a beautiful moment. And a lot of you are right there right now. And the only thing you have to do is just reach out to God. You have to understand that Jesus turned around. There's no church that's going to save you. There's no platform up here that can do it. It's between you and God because he's walking in the street right now and he's just asking for you to be obedient and just say, I need you. And so I don't care what you're struggling with today. I don't think what you think, as far as what you think your story is, I'm telling you, it's not your story. It's not. It's only a piece of it. The plot just thickened because Jesus turned around. The truth is, this is not your story. It's only a part of your story. Because he lives. He lives. He's alive and he's well and he turned around for you, for me, so we can go share the story that set us free.